Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Mothership, the Pit Podcast Network. As you're heading by the pay window, we're glad you could join us tonight for the hour of power too sweet to be sour. My bad, dusty impression aside, my name is Shad. I'm here with Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? Salutations. (laughs) (laughs) Just a word of warning, by the way, out there for everybody. If you meet Cody, do not do a Dusty impression for him. No? I he really it. hates it. Uh. it it's Because it's, it, I think, I, if I had to guess, it's probably that it feels like you're making a joke out of his dad. So, And he hears it every day. So Also, don't say you're Flip Gordon's number one fan. <laughs> so, he might have. He did, might help you die a painful death. I did want to give a brief. Um, I did want to. I did want to say something briefly to kind of follow up on our um, kind of a discussion Shad and I were having earlier today, and um, to follow up on our board game talk briefly last week. But I just want to say fuck Thacko, and that is all. <laughs> what is that? In old editions of D and D, it was a. You didn't have, like, an armor class that you would roll to try and hit. Like, you didn't have attack bonus plus roll to try and hit the the armor class of the opponent. It was Thacko is to hit armor class zero. So that's why having a lower attack bonus is supposed to be a good thing or something like that. And it was very... um, It was was very... like once you got into it, it made sense, but it started off really counterintuitive. And then third edition came out, and everyone went, "Gee, that's just a lot easier, isn't it?" Yeah, and um, in old D and D, having a lower armor class was better, or something like that. It's yeah, I've done very little of the old stuff. It just it was. I, it used to make sense to me, but um, it's really hard to go back to because. Now everything is high roll good, where it used to be sometimes you wanted to roll low, sometimes you wanted to roll higher. It's one of those things it, that was okay at the time, but in now that you have like modern gaming to compare it to, you're just like, oh, why did we yeah. used to do that? Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, thank you all for joining us. We're glad that you're giving us a listen, and we're happy you're here. We have our social media presence out there. Um, we have we have several ways for you to get a hold of us, and we'd love to hear from you. We have Mark Zuckerberg's favorite Facebook. Yes, you can look at our page, Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners as one word podcast. Give us a like, uh, send us a message, leave us a comment. We'll be more than glad to uh, chat at you or Facebook at you, as the kids say these days. <laughs> We have, um, I guess, John Laguerre of T-Mobile's favorite platform with the little blue bird, the Twitter. <laughs> uh, we, we are on Twitter. We are at Podcast Four Corners. That's capital P and Podcast. That's the number four for Four Corners, at Podcast Four Corners. We have the platform that's the favorite of that 14-year-old that's in your family that tries not to talk to everybody as much as possible at the family gatherings, that would be Instagram. You cannot put spaces in the name of Instagram. So it's the number four corners podcast. Um, hit us up on there, uh, DM comment, whatever, uh, I post links to all of our new stuff on there. And 
if, well, if you do it old school and you don't want to make your stuff out there available to everybody, then that means you can do what, Brad? You can uh, email us, pitpodcast25 at gmail.com. Fair warning, I don't check it often, so don't be surprised if I'm a little slow to reply back. And And if I don't, yell at Matt on Twitter and tell him to have me reply to you on email. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that. Honestly, that is probably the most uh, rapid way to get our our attention is to put (coughs) is through our Twitter. Okay, another thing. If you're out there and you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I could use some new clothing, but I want it to be wrestling related. But I don't want it to be a giant silk screen of somebody's face on my torso or something like that. Collar and Elbow has the answer for you. It's gear for wrestlers and wrestling fans by wrestlers and wrestling fans. And if you go and make an order, use the promo code for the number four corners podcast. No spaces. Put it all together. You get 10% off your order. Uh, They are comfy quality shirts they hold up well they're tastefully designed i have three um matt and brad each have one and uh you know they're they're great they're comfy and now unless you guys wanted to say something about the shirts (laughs) yeah they're good quality shirts it's like the really soft cotton yeah and now The man who gets funky and doesn't even need a monkey. The man who gets the shout-out we do every week since we started doing this crazy thing, baby. Who'd that be, Matt? That would be Epico Cologne, <laughs> um, who I'm sure is an admirer of Dusty. Uh, maybe not Dusty impersonators, but... <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. So, <clears throat> Epico, thanks. Um, we hope to hear from you someday, and we hope it's not a letdown after all this time. <laughs> you know, I've referenced this before, but Epico is obsessed with this place. Uh, I think it's in Baltimore called Jimmy's Seafood. Uh, and now I feel like I have to go. So you're going to get the buffet and just sit in the corner booth for like three days straight waiting for him to show Might up? Might as well, yeah. That sounds awesome. Just be that, that type of creep <laughs> just there for hours. You know, one day just, he's going to acknowledge us and the joke's going to lose all of its... Luster. Yeah. Well, that, that is that is where the joke started from. So I think it would just kind of keep going, unless the response is, "Guys, you have got to stop." It's yeah, okay. We'll just a cease and desist is what the end <laughs> <laughs> is going to be. Uh, that's okay. We're just going to move on to Tana Lawa when uh when it's epic when Epico's done. We'll we'll have a meeting. We'll put up a poll. And we'll see. I'm we'll saying, see who it is. I'm saying we roll a dice and see which gorilla of destiny we decide we're gonna <laughs> stalk. I next. choose Tamatanga, but it could be any. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna do something uh, a little bit different tonight. I thought that this would be something fun for us to do. So what I have done is I have set us up with a series of. Uh, 25 questions or so. This is some wrestling trivia for you. And what we're going to do is I'm going to pose the question. I'm going to give both the guys the opportunity to um, message their answers to me so that there's there's no uh, no funny business. 
and we'll give you guys we'll we'll talk for a minute we'll give you guys a little time to to see if you can come up with the answer before we go on and and just kind of see what kind of uh, uh you know what kind of discussion comes out of it so does that sound good to you guys it does i am all right. good to go Let me all right my messenger on my phone <laughs> okay uh before we do that can i uh can i play something for you guys sure uh I don't know how I got on a rabbit hole uh, the other day on YouTube uh, for wrestling stuff. That's I really worst. don't. I don't really know how I got down this rabbit hole, but I discovered something that I have literally, like, my teeth have been hurting. I got so excited that I wanted to share it immediately, but I thought, you know, I have to save this for the podcast. Okay. And it's something that we have never talked about before because I don't think it's anything we even knew existed. But now that I do, I have, it's the only thing I can think about. Are you ready? I'm listening. I have to play this. It's a video I found on YouTube. Uh-huh. Of a song. Okay. And here we go. Can you guys hear it? Yeah. yeah. All right, just wait. You're going to shit yourselves. There's a little bit of intro. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wow. Terry! That is not what I thought was going to happen. Oh, wait, wait. It gets better. Hold on. He'll fight them every day. Do you recognize that voice? He'll fight them anywhere. Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Jimmy Hart. <laughs> And there's the man himself, Terry Funk. Hold on. Oh. Man. It goes on for four minutes. (laughs) 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 I'm going to pause the music. So this, this is a song. This is the first track off the album. Put out by Terry Funk. What? In 1984. It is what? apparently a Japanese album. 1984 debut LP by Terry Funk. This is the there first track. Is. Great Texan. <laughs> there it, it is. It has such classic songs as We Like to Rock, Rapongi, We Hate School. Uh, the big hit, of course, was Barbara Streisand's Nose. Oh, <laughs> yes. These are all real songs. <laughs> <laughs> and you wow. have. I have to like... I'm gonna have to like screen cap this. Uh, <laughs> here, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna screen cap this as it's playing. Um, oh man, uh, I don't I'll know. Send what it to our. Say. I'll send it to our group text. So do you guys. Uh, you can see, this is. It's like an actual LP, and now the only thing my mission in life now is to find a copy of this and have it signed by Terry Funk. Oh wow. The, um, so random Terry Funk thing. Um. You, if you can get his address and mail him stuff, he will sign it in the mail and oh, wow. send it back to you. So um, what I sent him had index cards in it, and he signed the index cards. So I have an index card where Terry Funk drew the state of Texas on it and signed his name. That's really cool. Wow. He was also a character in a manga 
the manga for the you remember those little muscle figures when we were kids ultimate muscle yeah like those remember the little tiny ones when we were like in the 80s yeah we're like a bunch the, of those. the flesh tone yeah they they're, they're called yeah. kinekumon i think in um japan yeah and they had a manga which is it's it's quite interesting you'd have to look at it online but it's it's a lot of um there's jokes about like japanese wrestling in it like they have like um Especially joking about the style, they have like one of them where they're making a joke about Baba and Anoki fighting each other, and they both get counted out. Like it's a, it's an interesting little comic strip. Wow, wow, that is that is a find. And there's um there's a character, and it's called Terry Man. That's pretty much just Terry Funk. Right. And I think Abdullah the Butcher had a character in it too. Amazing man. Yeah. That is that is. Matt, that is an it, it's amazing. Such, find. It's such a find, and I don't. It, the thing is, like, I don't even know how I came across it. I don't even know what I was. I forgot what I was even like searching for, or why I started down that that whole like rabbit hole. But there you go. Yeah, I have well, to find. I have to have this album. I have to. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Anyway, jeez, so now I, I was going to do trivia after I'm that, but now trivia. I just thought I would share that because that's something that has to be shared with the world. It's something that has been forgotten for like thirty-five years. How am I supposed to follow that, man? <laughs> How am I supposed fun. to follow? Is there a better character in pro wrestling than Terry Funk? <sighs> if there is, there's, there's, there can't be that many. It's pretty wild i was listening to an old jericho um podcast episode where he was he was talking to jim Cornette, and jim Cornette tells this funny story about just like terry when he was in uh when he was in smoky mountain and terry and uh, he just came in to like one day with the ring was all set up and terry's just like doing like moonsaults yeah and jenks was like oh god damn it terry why what's going on why are you doing that and Terry's just like, I don't know, Corny. I just <laughs> thought it would be fun. Yeah, I think I had the story about him doing that during the show, and Corny's like, what are oh, you doing? Was... What are you doing, Terry? And, I don't know, Corny, but I'm uh, not going to do it again. Have, have you ever heard the uh, podcast where um, Jericho and Lance Storm were talking about um, <laughs> Cornette doing those video packages for them when they came into Smoky Mountain Wrestling and how awful they were? I read about it in his book. And Jericho's like, he's like, come on, at least you gotta let us get some hotter girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember that from his book. So, wow. Okay. Wow, I've got to follow all of this with some lame trivia now. Okay. Alright, guys. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. And Here we go. We're messaging you the... Well, it message me your answers before I announce them so we can give our listeners a little time to um to to do it but let's 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 play it straight let's not let's not look anything up okay all right i'm gonna just i'm I'm gonna just do you then just so well no i'll do it in the same thing because i won't change my answers okay so the first question the road warriors have had four managers name three of them oh wow You guys are going to be so pissed at me. All right, 
I've got an answer from Brad. I don't know if the one counts, but um Matt? Uh hold on. Okay. I should know who the other one was. Was was the other one when they were like in mid Atlantic and they were like with um Bundy Wow, and actually you're thinking too old. Uh, oh, I should have I should have prefaced it, guys. Um, I'm not including Heidenreicher draws because they were active members. Okay, that was uh, draws was actually one of mine. Uh, okay, sorry about that. I should have said that at the beginning. My bad. Um, okay, you guys ready for the answer on this? Yeah, I can only think of like half of them. Okay, <clears throat> Brad, three of yours. Your three were correct. Matt, two of yours were correct. Paul Ellering, mm-hmm. the classic. Yes. Sonny with um, Legion of Doom 2000. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Later on, Christy Hemi was a manager for them. Oh, wow. When was she and a manager for them? She was a valet for them very briefly. Was that when it was Heidenreich and Animal? Yeah. Okay. And then the last one... And Brad got it was Rocco the Ventriloquist Dummy. Oh, God. I just, I just thought that that was, like, a, just a puppet. Like, I thought that was, like, their sidekick or something. I think he replaced Ellering, though, didn't he? Oh, good God. He with Ellering. Oh. He rolled out, when, when the Road Warriors rolled out on the, uh, rode, rolled out on the motorcycles at one big event, uh, Rocco rode out with Ellering on his motorcycle. Ugh. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Next question. Dwayne Johnson was not always The Rock. Can you name his previous WWF gimmick and then bonus? What was his gimmick name in developmental? Wait. Uh... This one I feel like I got. Okay, all right. This is going to be really uh, embarrassing when... You know, we were running a wrestling podcast, and I get, like, half of them wrong. I'm not good at trivia. That's the problem. Like, I forget stuff. You guys are both on the money. His previous, his his WWF gimmick was Rocky Maivia, mm-hmm. and but his, <laughs> his developmental gimmick name that he came up with himself was Flex Kavana. Which you is guys great. Are, yeah. Oh, Isn't that awful? So... I think someone has a YouTube compilation of like his USWA run as Flex. Really? Man, that's. Alexa in the background. I know, Alexa, right? what? Who is Flex Cavana? <laughs> I didn't even say. I didn't even say the name. I said eh, whatever. Yeah. All right, you guys will get this one. No problem. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin did not always use the stunner as his finish. What was his previous finisher? Do you want it like the name of it or just what it was? Uh, I'll I'll go either way. I'm going with name. I, I'm not quite sure how you would describe that. Ooh. Okay. Oh. Okay. That's both right. Yeah, uh, Brad, Brad submitted an answer, which yeah. uh, I had completely forgot about, but that's, you're right, that's like, go ahead. They're both, they're both correct answers. Um, the first one that came to mind for me was the stun gun, as stunning Steve Austin. Brad yeah. is correct, the million dollar dream while he was managed by Ted DiBiase. Yeah, I completely, I like 
blanked on that whole time when he was uh, the ringmaster. Yeah, the ringmaster. Remember, yeah. he had the he had the million dollar belt for some yep. of yeah. that too. Yeah, that's true. You know what's really funny is that that's completely like memory hold. Yeah, well, in, in the in terms of WWE history, like I like think everybody they don't happy. even reference that anymore. And they haven't for years. They don't really mm. reference like ninety four to like ninety well, ninety six. Well, in fairness, they don't really reference anything past like six months, but No. But yeah, like that the whole like him debuting as a completely different type of character. Yeah. yeah. A rather bland character, especially after what he was doing in ECW. Yeah. Um, okay. According to Jake Roberts, what does DDT mean? Oh God! I now this is from this is out of Jake's own mouth. I this is, this is not Vince McMahon at ringside saying whatever it is. I have no idea. Hold on. <laughs> this is the best I can give you. <laughs> this was in an interview. <laughs> this was in an interview with the late great Gene Okerlund. Matt's guess of something death something. It's a pretty good guess. Um, I was trying to think of. Um, I thought there. Uh, yeah, I thought a death was in there somewhere. I death was trying to think something. of something sexual. Nope. Here. God. Now, Vince, uh, I think on commentary referred to it as Damien's dinner tonight or something like that. But okay. when Gene Okerlund, yeah, when Gene Okerlund asked Jake after a match, he, Jake, there's a question lots of people have. What does DDT mean? Jake Roberts stopped, looked into the camera, took one breath, and said. The end. I was thinking about that too literally. I think well, I know which interview you're talking about. So was about. I. I thought it was an actual like thing. It's a weird question, an but acronym. that's yeah. But that's well, I mean trivia is squirrely sometimes. I think I know which interview you're talking about now too. It, it was it was really intense because well, it's Jake, right? Okay. Here's one you know, that Sidebar, like, again, I, I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but we should really do a show sometime and cover the whole, both his, like, early 90s uh, WWF heel turn, both the, the feud he had with Macho Man and the feud he then had with, uh, like, Ultimate Warrior, or the when he was wrapped up in the whole Warrior Undertaker. There's oh, my... A... I watched an interview that when Jake was on Joe Rogan talking about the... Uh... Was it Rogan? I think yeah, it was Rogan. Yeah, it was Rogan. when he was about the snake. And with Macho? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? I haven't I haven't listened to that episode. So, apparently Macho Man came to him. Like, they're planning on doing the whole defanged Cobra thing to bite Macho Man, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. But Macho's like, I need to know. Is it, you know, I need to, I need, I need to know that it's not, it's, you know, it doesn't have any venom. I need to, I need to know. And Jake's like, of course it doesn't. What does that mean? Lots of men, lots of people could be looking for the Macho Man's Intercontinental title. I need you to let it bite you, man, before I let you do this to me. And he's like, are you kidding me? He's like, I need you to do this, Jake. And it's so Jake is like, I'm in the back. It's cold. Like my blood's not up or anything. So I let this damn thing bite me. And he's like, are you happy now? I was like, yeah, okay, we can do this now. So whenever they get out to the ring, originally he was just going to try and piss it off a little bit so it would bite Macho Man. He said, I grabbed that thing and I paintbrushed the hell out of it. <laughs> and I turned it loose on him and it clamped down on him and it wouldn't let go. You, you know what my favorite part about that interview is he was talking about like, um, he was talking, well, just uh, as an aside, he said it took three years of 
DDP watching him like a hawk for him to actually get clean. Um, oh, but he was talking about his roommate. He's like, yeah, like I had some roommate walls in DDP's house. He's like, I traumatized that poor bastard. He's like, look, I don't wear clothes. <laughs> oh, oh my. Oh. Oh, poor That's Jake. a little too much information that oh, I wanted, did not want to know yeah. about Jake. But the interesting thing was he pretty much said DDP like locked him up in his house and like didn't leave him alone for three years to get him clean. Wow. And the fact that, that Dallas was doing that just because he cared about Jake. Because like what what do you what is there to get out of it otherwise? He did it he for said, Scott Hall too. Yeah, he did it for Scott. He, he I mean there I, I don't know if it's anything other than just DDP being a really good guy, but yeah, he he's put himself out there uh, helping mm-hmm. a couple of guys, you know, from the business. Oh yeah, it's huge. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition us up to our next question. This is a little more recent. Mm-hmm. You guys will probably be like, "Oh, I got this." <clears throat> In WCW, Alex Wright was primarily known as one of the Boogie Knights or the Dancing Fools, but what was his short-lived goth gimmick? Oh, I know this. <laughs> and the question is, can you spell it right? Oh, yes, I can. Sorry, autocorrect. <laughs> oh, is this the lame, like, 90s version? Yes, yes of course. It, it can't yeah. be truly goth unless they spell it incorrectly. Yes. You guys both have it right. It was Berlin, B-E-R-L-Y-N. Y-N. And it got... Was that the one that got... Was that... That, yeah. that got delayed because of Columbine, didn't it? Yes, it, it did. He was wearing the long, yeah. Well, he made his first appearance before Columbine wearing a long black leather trench coat, and then Columbine happens, and they put it on the shelf for like six months. Yeah, because yeah. they let this. Cool. And I don't think it, it wasn't really meant. I think it was probably meant to be more like what a play on Matrix. Yeah, something. Kind of. But, the only thing I remember is that he had a debut match against, I believe, Hacksaw. I didn't Hacksaw like completely sandbag him, and so then the yeah. gimmick was killed like right out of the gate. And the other, I the think other he debuted against Brad Armstrong, and then Duggan was like shortly not, after. Yeah, I think that's right. And the other problem was that as soon as he went out there and started working, everyone was like, "Well, it's just Alex Wright with with black hair wearing black tights now." So it did, but Duggan totally sandbagged it too. And, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was, like, an interesting type of gimmick. And, this, but, and they came off of that with the seven, like, pedophile gimmick, so. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that also, the uh, the the thing that actually <laughs> stuck Berlin gimmick was the rise of the wall. So, as odd as that was. You know, okay. um, for, for the forgotten history of TNA, like, the wall as malice was actually, like, a really, um decent run for a heel he was a, a worker who probably no one even really remembers that well but he yeah. uh, he had promise unfortunately he's like many uh like many people in the industry he was a cautionary tale yeah. just had personal demons and that unfortunately he passed away like there, there pretty, was pretty young there was yeah. in tna he had a um a ladder match with sabu that was actually surprisingly watchable and then there was like a first blood match with one of the Harris brothers that was like shockingly pretty good. Hmm. All right. But this is from like those first like 12 or 15 pay-per-views, like when it was still a weekly pay-per-view. Yeah. 
So, w- would we have ever brought that up on this podcast if I wasn't doing trivia, right? Okay. Not. Okay. Before he was The Undertaker in WCW, what was the gimmick name he was known as? And bonus, what was his finisher? Oh, oh I... <laughs> I can tell you his indie. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I remember this. I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you his um, USWA Memphis gimmick, and I can tell you his USWA Texas gimmick too, if you want. <laughs> That's wow. okay. I was just talking about the WCW stuff. But yes, you guys both got it right. That would be Mean Mark Callis that used the heart punch. So. Yeah, the Undertaker came a long way, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. All right. Next is Undertaker related. <clears throat> and I want you listen to the phrasing on this one. I want you to name all of the wrestlers that appeared in the first Hell in a Cell. That were, like, not everyone in the match, right? The wrestlers that appeared in the first Hell in a Cell. I haven't seen that match in a long-ass time. I'm probably going to get this wrong. It's not as tough as it seems, but... What do you think, Matt? I... I, I don't know. That's... Oh, do you wanna do you wanna know a fun um do you know what Undertaker's original WWE name was? It was Kane the Undertaker, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh fast. So the first Hell in a Cell was between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker for who took on Bret Hart at Survivor Series. Ah. The people that appeared in the cell, and the reason I phrase it that way is because DX came out with Shawn Michaels at the beginning, but they were not allowed in the cell and were kicked out of ringside. So that means it was Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Kane. That was Kane's debut. Wow. When he, Because Cornette booked that. He booked the Hell in a Cell in order to keep Michaels over, or to get Michaels over, have Undertaker look strong, and debut Kane. So Kane comes down and rips the door off the cell and comes in and tombstones The Undertaker. So, I know that's kind of a technicality, but... I was know. technically correct. The best kind of correct. Uh, no, you you gave me <laughs> Triple H, too, and Triple H was not in the cell. Eh, I'm still technically <laughs> correct. The best kind of correct. <laughs> All right. Mark Merrow used to be known as Johnny B. Bad. What was his finisher called? Oh, God, I don't know. The little Richard gimmick... I know, we just watched oh one of his God. matches, too. And yeah. I have no idea. I can't even... Got nothing? What do you think, Matt? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to try and avoid... I'm writing something. All right. I'm going to try and avoid... This is going to be so wrong. I just forget. I know it was the TKO and the <laughs> WWE... Well, in the w, in WWF, he had he did have the TKO. He also, whenever he came over, he was the wild man, Mark Marrow, and used a flipping shooting star press. Yeah, he did. And then he, he tore did. his knee and out and was never the same. Good. Yeah. 
But it was not Tutti Frutti. In WCW, Johnny B. Bad's finish was a it was left like a hand. Punch. Yeah, it was a, a punch. The kiss that don't miss. Ah. Uh, oh, that's right. I remembered it was like a punch, but I forgot. That I, I, the only thing I could think of is that they gave him like a cutesy name, which they did. And I just had the wrong cutesy name. And you know, they said that they said that stupid name on um, Halloween Havoc '95. That's what was driving me nuts because I know I just watched. Yeah. Okay. You know, I actually talking about like the TKO. I actually think that's a cool move, and I'm surprised like someone, at least in the WWE, hasn't like jacked and and maybe it's, it's, it's too, too close to the to, to the RKO. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That was Mark Marrow started using it after DDP did that on Nitro one night because it was it was in a match with Stevie Richards and he was like DDP says he's got a hundred variations on it and he says he's going to use a new one so we did the fireman's carry rotate into the diamond cutter and then Mark Marrow started using that as the TKO. <sighs> oh wow, I'm such a nerd. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> this one's going to be super easy for you guys. Name the members of the Midnight Express that were managed by Jim Cornette. <clears throat> and there's a story about how Jim Cornette had to, used to have to bring a boombox with him because they were the only ones that had entrance music. And it was, I think it was the music from the movie Midnight Express, the theme music. It was. Yeah. So, go ahead and send me them answers, guys. This could be technically weird on... Uh, my part because I don't know who I don't quite know if he managed the Memphis version. No, I don't think he did. I'm just I'm my answer is just based on like more original. Yeah, Matt, you have the you have the answer that I was looking for. That's Bobby Eaton, Dennis <laughs> Condry, and Stan Lane. Sweet or, Stan Lane, beautiful Bobby Eaton, lover boy Dennis Condry, and Sweet Stan Lane. Brad now, uh, also correct in his answer. Just uh, he added additional names. I don't know yes, if but I don't think they were managed by Cornette. I don't know for sure, but if in Memphis pre like Eaton being added, there was a version that was Norvell Austin, Randy Rose, and Dennis Condry, and yeah. um, I don't know if Jim Cornette actually managed that version though. He was I there at the it. time, but I don't know. I don't think he managed it. Okay. Now, if you guys want the bonus question that goes on that, <laughs> can you give me the names of the new Midnight Express in the WWF in the late 80s? Just the name of the two guys. Do you want, like, their... The gimmick names. <laughs> well, I know one. <laughs> you got one of them. Who yeah. The, who is the I remember. One? That's the one I got, too. Bodacious Bob and Bombastic Bob. Bart. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Because it was Bart, Bob Holly and Bart Gunn. Gun. I thought yeah, it was Bart, Bart Gunn, but I Mike was... Mike Bart, a.k.a. Bart Gunn, and then uh, Bob Holly, yeah. That, yep. That lasted, <clears throat> what, two weeks? If that long. Because remember they did that... Remember they did that stupid um, Rock and Roll Express versus the, the Headbangers feud? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And remember, All right. Remember as Aztec Jeff Jarrett? Yes. Yep. I remember that very well. It was so weird. Okay. <clears throat> the Midnight Express headlined Starcade one year. What match did they headline it in, and who was it against? <sighs> I'm not going to ask for the promo name of the Starcade because that's pushing. 
but what kind of match was it, and who is it against? Hold, oh, I, I might be able to get this. Hold on, hold okay. on. You want to know what the disgusting part of this is? Is that I wrote all of these questions out off the top of my head and just went back to, to fact-check them and had to do very little editing on them. Hold on, hold on. I, my answer, I am going to try and include the name of like, okay. the gimmick. It was Tower of Doom, wasn't it? No! Matt has the gimmick yes! match. The Knight of the Skywalkers. Oh, that's right. That's it right. was a that is, match. That is going like really down into the vaults of my knowledge. But it was not... You guys both sent me the Rock and Roll Express. It was not the Rock and Roll. It was against the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering. Oh, because the Road Warriors were on the scaffolding throwing pumpkins at them to show they weren't afraid. Was this the match where Jim Cornette yes. like blew out his legs? Yep. Knees. Uh, yep. Yeah. I And they you there and you got you got Dennis Condry and you got you got you got Bobby Eaton and you got Big Bubba Rodgers and you you hang in there and you kick your feet up and they catch you like they catch the girls at the football game. Wasn't Big Bubba supposed to catch him? Yep, and Big Bubba lost him in the lights. Uh that's the, Jimmy, that's one of the Jimmy worst, gotta get a little bit of color. That's one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen, too, is, like, his legs just... Yeah, I will not watch it. Yeah, that's... I can't yeah. watch it, either. I, yeah. I can't, can't. I, there are, like, few things that really, like, like gross me out, like, like really bother me, but joint injuries always yeah. do. Sid, like, that that kind of makes me... Just, like, shivers down my oh, spine. Sid oh. and Jim Cornette, like, bother me. But like yeah. I could watch I could watch Vince McMahon tearing his ACLs and sitting there helplessly and laugh my balls off every yeah. time. It's <laughs> interesting to find where the line is, isn't it? Okay. This one's gonna be super easy for you. It's kind of a challenge to maybe our younger fans. If we have young fans, I don't know. Um, the man that used the belly to belly suplex to blaze his way through the NWA before his career was cut short. Was known by the name of what? Come on, <clears throat> I've got Matt's answer. I my autocorrect fucked this up, but it's <laughs> it sure did. But yes, for, that was Magnum TA. A fun for bonus. A fu- for, a, go ahead. A fun little Magnum TA fact is there is um, on the Wrestling Gold DVD set there is a match with him and Nick Bockwinkle when he's like six months into his career. Wow, and it's how good is it? San Antonio, it's um solid. I mean, it's Nick Bockwinkle, so <clears throat> yeah. Was it? Is it? Is the TA Terry Allen? Yep. What, it's Terry oh wow, Allen. okay. Yep. A little good bonus job. points. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Really so sad this... is that I'm gonna like beat myself up for thinking it's rock and roll versus the Red Warriors. I know! I'm so mad at myself. Like, I'm actually, yeah, I'm really disappointed. I'm legit disappointed in myself now. All right, so, this is a multi-part question. It's all based around the same era, but hang with me. Steve Austin was trained by Chris Adams. <clears throat> Who was watching Steve Austin's first training session? What... Steve Austin got more than just training from Chris Adams. What else did he get? And then finally, why couldn't Steve Austin use his real name? Okay, I know part. I can get at least two of the three here. Okay. 
send them on over because I, I want to see what you got. This is this is digging seriously deep into some background. Okay, I've got one from Matt. Got one from Brad. <clears throat> so you got you put them together, and you've got two out of the three. I, I I'm sending my answer in. It's going to have horrible typos, though, because because uh, I I using your phone. Yeah, and I don't have particularly large fingers, but uh, the keyboard I still find is very small, so I often make mistakes. I, I, if you've got monkey <laughs> hands like mine, and like big gorilla hands like mine, and they're not even really that big, but they're thick enough for it to be a problem. So, you guys are correct. You couldn't use his real name because it was already being used by Dr. Death Steve Williams. Um, Brad, or Matt was correct. Uh, the more that he got from Chris Adams is he stole Chris Adams' wife. But the guy sitting up in the top of the stands. Oh, hold on! Can I? Can I? Can I maybe give you a guess at that? Go for it. Sitting up at the top of the stands, watching his very first training. <clears throat> I have to wait because if I say my lead in for it, then the problem is I'll give it away, and I'm waiting to hear what Matt sends me. He's going to send me his guess. Nope, it was not. It was not Jim Ross, Bill Watts, or Terry Funk. Um, let's see. There. When did he get trained? Like mid eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and remember where he got trained? That's why I went with who I went with. Um. Yeah. Nope. It was in this. I think if if I remember the building around, I think it was a sportatorium, and it was because Mick Foley was sitting up in the stands. Oh, that was who I was gonna. Wow. I actually that was actually I talked myself out of that because. I knew they like trained together-ish, but I didn't realize. Foley was already working whenever yeah. Austin. I, I was thinking they trained together, but that was my first guess, and I talked myself out of it. Yep. God, you guys are really either going to pity me or hate me after we get done with this. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to remember like all these tidbits, though, especially like when you pick it up in a random book or something. I'm such yeah. a nerd. It, the fact that I have all this, it's, I'm glad I'm married because there I wouldn't have a chance. Uh, all right, this is this is you guys are going to get this no problem, but this is a callback to an earlier episode, not even that far back. Who was the Christmas creature in the USWA? <laughs> Say it with me, guys. On three, one, two, three. Who was it? The mayor of Knoxville, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> the monster cane. Isaac Yankum DDS. <laughs> Glenn Jacobs, yes. The fake diesel. The fake diesel. The also, fake diesel. Also known as Unleaded, who was there with Phyla Shapefield. Also known as Doomsday and Unibomb. <laughs> yeah. 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 In, yeah, uh, that's... in Smoky Mountain, he was Unibomb and teamed up with Al Snow. It's so weird, isn't it? Which version of Al Snow was it? Avatar? No, he Al was just Snow? Al Snow. He was like, um, he was like the talker of the group. Yeah. Okay. I knew you guys were going to get that one, so that was just for fun. Okay. Here comes one for you. <clears throat> this is a there. This is question has two parts. Who was first Goldberg's first victory against, and who did Goldberg first use the spear on? 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I shouldn't sing. That's embarrassing. Um, But yes. Okay. I have. Which. Okay. Matt, uh, you sent me a name, but what's that? Okay. Those. The very. Brad, do you have a guess for the spear? No. Because I. First match. I'll take a guess. Okay. Because it was an early match. Yep. I know who his first two Nitro matches were against. Okay. All right. So, Brad got the first win. That was Hugh Morris. Hmm. Which he even got a a nod from Goldberg for one of the later Nitros. uh, After he'd been in Misfits in action and stuff like that. The first match he used the spear in, at least that was televised... He used it on Scotty Riggs. Oh. And he mowed Riggs down. They, he didn't he didn't work it. He just mowed Riggs down. Because they gave him some like big wins out of the the um gate because he Morris was like a pretty big win. I think he kicked out of the moonsault in that match. He did. And um I'm pretty sure they followed that up and he beat the Barbarian on Saturday night or Nitro. Like, the next week. Okay. And, like, the Barbarian, like, if if you didn't watch WCW at the time, Barbarian was, like, a tough guy, but he really was kind of like a low-end mid-carder. He didn't win a whole lot, but he had the reputation of... Yeah. You know, and running around with Ming, so... And he wasn't something that you'd see, like, a nobody, like... Yeah. No. Okay. Here's the next one. This is going to be... I had to get. I got this out of a shoot interview, but <clears throat> okay. Ted DiBiase was going to return to Japan after working in the WWF. Who was he going to tag with before he discovered his career-ending injury? <clears throat> hmm. All right, I've got Brad's answer. I'm only basing that on previous history. Okay, I've got an answer from Matt here. As it turns out, the answer is that he was going to be tagging with Stan Hansen. Wow. They were going to be doing the cowboy gimmick. They um they teamed That in, would have been fascinating. They teamed in the mid eighties. And that means that um basically uh it, they they told Ted they're like, look, if you're teaming with Stan again, then you're going to be the one who's taking all the bumps and taking all the heat. And he's like, it's fine, because it was going to be better for him and his family to do that. He would have t- he would have eaten all the pinfalls too. Yeah, that's true. So all right. <clears throat> so here's here's going to be the uh, here's going to be the other one, and you you guys are going to pick this up pretty easy. Uh, I'm I'm very certain, but. What move did Kawada innovate due to an arm injury during a match? What move did Kawada innovate due to an arm injury during a match? I have Matt's answer. Mine is more accurate. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Nine exclamation points? That would be the Gonzo Bomb! Yes, that is correct. That 
I can't even watch that clip anymore. It makes my neck hurt. I think we should, um, I think at some point in the future for one of our callbacks, we need to get one of those comps of, like, their feud and, like, discuss it. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I knew you guys were going to pick that up, but I thought it would be a good question put in there. All right. There's a question about Owen Hart. After being a member of the Hart Foundation, what stable did Owen Hart join? What stable did Owen Hart join post-Hart Foundation? Oh, wait, now I'm wrong. Uh, yep, I've got both your answers. As it turns out, Matt is correct. He was in the Nation of Domination. I confused him with Jim Neidhart, where Jim Neidhart, like, joined DX for, like, five seconds, and then they turned on him and beat the shit out of him, and he went to WCW. Yeah. Wow, I don't remember that at all. It lasted all of, like, a couple minutes, but that's what I confused it with. Okay. Alrighty. So. And remember, <laughs> he's not a nugget. No, he is not a nugget. He was also uh, imitated by Jason Sensation, I think it was. Mm. Alright. I totally forgot he was in the Nation of Domination. <clears throat> yep, they were the Nation. <clears throat> Dominate. <clears throat> okay. So, in the two out of three falls match with Ric Flair in the April 2nd Clash of Champions, Ricky Steamboat started using a new finish to gain one of the pa- one of the falls. What was the move that he used? Can you repeat the question? Okay. In the April 2nd, 1989 Clash of Champions, Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair had a two out of three falls match. In that match, Ricky Steamboat gained one of the falls by, show- by debuting a new uh, finish basically. What was this move that he gained the one of the falls with? Oh God, I can't remember now. Cause I know how he won the match, but that wasn't that finish. How did he win the first? Fight? I have Matt's answer. How did he win? I have Matt's answer. I hear Brad pondering on it. Thinking about it? it this, this move might have like a an actual name, but I just the that's how I remember it. What I can say is um, the uh, Brad, you're half right because Matt is correct. It was a double chicken wing. So yes, that's that's what he used to put him away. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yep, that was. Because he won the match, I think because he did, like, Flair had his foot under the rope. That's how they did, like, the third match. But that was more of, like, a roll-up finish. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is, like, another, like, uh, aside. But Uh I remember back in the early 90s when they had the whole uh, um, Bob Backlund heel turn. Yeah. When he was just like chicken wing the shit out of people. Like, like I loved that back in the day. That cross face chicken wing and he looked yeah. like he did it in such a way he looked like a maniac. Yeah, yeah, and everyone like looked like he murdered them and then he would just like look at his hands like what have I done? Like yeah. that was so awesome. You know, the thing that to me that was so interesting in him doing that was most people, like for example, Norman Smiley, when he did a cross face chicken wing, the the tension in that was him was getting the hands together to hook the fingers to sink it in. Mm-hmm. 
Bob Backlund would chicken wing one side, and then he'd grab you by the head and pull your head away from the other shoulder, and then he'd just start thrashing. <laughs> so, that that stuck with me for some reason. Okay. Well, we're doing pretty well. All right. This one you guys ought to be, you ought to pick up pretty quick. All right. So Sting started his wrestling career in a tag team. What was the name of the team and who was his partner? Oh. I'm not asking for his partner's gimmick name. I'm asking for what people would know his partner as. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there we go. He was a member of the Blade Runners with the... We know him as the Ultimate Warrior. I think he might... I don't know remember which one was Rock, and I don't remember the other name. I believe Sting just kept the name Sting. So I think the Warrior was Rock. No, I think Sting had a different name, but I don't remember. But that might have just been Memphis when they were there for, like, half a minute. Okay, well, fair enough. But you guys got it right. All right. <clears throat> name... The guy with the cowboy gimmick that debuted in WCW to feud with Chris Jericho for the TV title. Oh, God. Um, motherfucker. <laughs> I, think I, <laughs> I think I have it. I like to think that I've I, got some... I have, I have Matt's answer. I've I like to think I'm coming up with... These are good questions and not just irritating ones, but... I don't know. It depends. We'll find out what, uh, find out what, yep, I have both answers, and both of you had the correct answer. That was Bobby Duncombe Jr. He died and pretty shortly after that, too. Yes, he did. Not uh, before doing the whole, uh, West, was it West Te Texas Rednecks? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where they had, a. It, they, they brought back, uh, Barry Windham. Yes, and, and um. And Kurt Hanning like associated with them too, and no, Kendall one. No, Windham. you're forgetting the best part is um, the best part. Brad's got it. Curly Bill. Curly Bill. Oh, Vincent. Yeah. Oh Vincent my God, I forgot about the that. The West Texas Rednecks, and they dubbed him Curly Bill. You know that was. I the, remember that. That was that showed how out of touch WCW was with their fan base, though, because the fans cheered for the Rednecks. But they did. But you yeah. could. But you could. But I mean, it was dumb too, though, because. For starters, the No Limit Soldiers were dumb, but the yeah. the rap is crap song was hilarious. Yes, it was, and it was catchy. So, like, you really, <laughs> even if even I, if you didn't have a crowd that was going to be sympathetic to that, like, even in, like the WWE, I think like they would have started getting some cheers because the song was catchy and funny. They they had two songs. They had one that was also called Good Old Boys, which was also catchy, and the video was kind of funny. So, yeah, it, who'd, who'd have thunk that the uh, the promotion that was built largely on Southern style wrestling, they would be fans of the uh, the West Texas Rednecks instead of the. I think uh, I think actually I heard that that rap is crap song got play on country music stations too. Did it really? Yeah, wow. I think it got some like outside appeal that they didn't capitalize on. Obviously, that's amazing. Okay. Next question. You guys are going to look at this and you'll be like, we got this. So it's not it's not the what, it's the how many. I want to hear, I want eight names of men who are members of the Four Horsemen. 
There were lots of members of the Four Horsemen, and I'm looking for names of eight of the men who were there. All right, let's see what we come up with. Still going. Yep. I figure. I figure with your phone going, you're having to sit there and type it out all one at a time. So I want to see what I happens. Actually, I'm going to give you nine. Oh. Because one person, I'm not sure, would be counted. But <clears throat> also, autocorrect really adds some weird things for some <laughs> names. I give you really weird suggestions. Okay. That's that's fair. All right. Hold on, hold on. One, two. I'm looking at Brad's. Three, four, five, six. I need two more. Uh, I'm checking something very quickly. I want to make sure that I am not. I'm not off base. Okay, there you go. All right, let's see what we got. I have answers from... Golly, guys, it's just... Yes, okay, you did... <laughs> you did fine. Um, let's see. I have I have Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, Tully Blanchard, uh, Paul Roma for some reason, J.J. Dillon, Barry Windham, uh, Pillman... Mongo, Voldemort, uh, <laughs> Jarrett, um, Luger, Sid, Sting, Malenko. Yeah, you, you guys did. You guys did good. I, had oh, yeah, I forgot one. that. You forgot what? What would you say, man? Oh, I saw that you added it. I don't know if he uh, was technically a member. He technically owned them for a while. In everything that I looked up to confirm my uh, my stuff, I did not find Hiro Matsuda at, listed as a member. They um, when Dylan left, he technically sold them to Hiro Matsuda's company, and so like if you see like um, when they do the Shy Town Rumble where Steamboat wins the belt, Matsuda comes out with Flair, but I don't know if he okay. was ever like officially a member. He was affiliated though. Okay, I, I do. I did not have him on my list as a member. Which oddball thing, but um, when um, oh shit, when Butch Reed came in, Dylan was managing him and the Horseman, but Butch Reed was not a part of the Horseman. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good job on that one, guys. The next one is also a Horseman question. Can you name the event that was the temporary end of the Four Horsemen, and who was the cause for this fall? So the specific event, and who was the cause for it? Oh, we did miss oh, a we did horseman. miss a horseman. We did miss a horseman. Well, I suppose, but it's gonna you know that's gonna come up in this. All right, I have Brad's answer. Brad's answer is here right now. Waiting on Matt. See what Matt says. Hold on, I'm trying to type it out. Okay. All right. Wait on that. Typing on the phone screen. Clicky, 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 clicky. 
I, uh, sorry, I use this person's like not WCW name, but but you're you're correct. Okay. I imagine it's probably easier with your keyboard, but yes, yeah. that was Fall Brawl War Games, and it was Kurt Hennig turning on them and slamming the cage door on Ric Flair's head, which was brutal to watch. And this is also like it was really kind of dumb on WCW's part because so remember in that time period he was DDP's tag partner at bash at the beach and he turned on ddp to join the horsemen and then he yeah. turned on the horsemen like two months later not yeah even, like a month and a half later do you okay do you remember how hot the crowd was whenever they came out and arn officially dubbed hennig as the new enforcer and just how popular that was because the crowd was, as soon as the group of them came out, the crowd was already hot. And then they do that, and he turns it over to Henning, and the crowd, the place just comes apart. They are so excited to see a full roster of horsemen, and the God, that could have been so cool. And then they just kind of had to throw it away. Yeah, well, that's what they did. Yeah, time. they because because it would have been competition in the NWO. All right, so you guys nailed that one. Okay, I imagine you guys are probably going to get this one pretty easy, too. <clears throat> I want you to name two Gaijin members of NWO Japan. Hmm. Yeah, putting a little twist on it. Because it'd be really easy. Originally, I was going to say just give me two members of NWO Japan, and then that's too easy because you just go Muda and... Uh, and Chono. One. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think. Of, I, I'm trying to think of NWO Japan. Oh, duh. Yeah, yeah. Matt Matt nailed two of them pretty much straight off the bat. Yep. I should now. I'm trying to remember more of them, but I. It was um, Muda, Tenzan, Chono, uh, NWO Sting, Scott Norton, and. I don't remember if they had, like, a junior, but that was pretty much the group. Uh, I do have a few other um, Gaijin names for you. Uh, I would have accepted two of any of the following list. Big Bubba, Big Titan, Louis Spicoli, Michael Wall Street, NWO Sting, and Scott Norton. When, who's Big Titan? He uh, was, uh, he was like, a... Actually, wasn't... Was Big Titan uh, Rick Bulja who played the fake Razor? Or am I confusing him? Yep. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, that's, yep. that's really pulling it. Now, that's really impressive because I had to look up who the hell Big Titan was. <laughs> but um, Scott Norton is one of, I consider the, at least in the States, the um, forgotten, you know, missed opportunities. Because Norton just looked terrifying to me we've talked yeah. about it before so okay i actually right. don't know a lot about oh hero sato was one too yes but um but, this says michael wall street as well i did say michael wall okay. street tatsu toshi goto michiyoshi ohara akira <laughs> oh, akira would have been yeah. there and satoshi kojima okay akira would have been there junior i actually okay, yeah. don't know a lot about them because new japan was wretched during this period of time so <laughs> okay 
Here's what I'm going to do then. I'm going to hit you up with another. This is this is an oddball. This is an oddball thing to, to bring it back. <clears throat> At the first uncensored, there was a match between Dustin Rhodes and the Blacktop Bully. What kind of match was it? I don't remember, but I know it was weird. It was. I have this one. I feel sure. Okay. All right. I'm waiting for it, Matt. It was so bizarre. I don't. I don't know who came up with this gimmick. Was this the same one where the Loch Ness monster was wrestling on it? No. Oh, that was the next year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've got Matt's answer. Hey, Matt, you are correct. Ah, it was. On the back of a flatbed behind a semi <laughs> in a king of the road match. King of the road match. Incidentally, if you watch that match, you get to watch the sun rise and set three times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot there was all sorts of continuity. <laughs> oh, yes, there was. Yes, there was. By the way, do you know who the Blacktop Bully was? Uh, yeah, Barry Darso, a.k.a. Um, Smash, Mr. a.k.a. Hole Repo Man. One. Yeah, hole in one, Barry Darso. And Crusher Khrushchev. Yes. Yep. Good job, guys. You got that one all figured out. Okay. Penultimate question. Next to last. Dean Malenko made his return against Chris Jericho disguised as a luchador. Which luchador was it? Bonus point. And this is a real weird one. Bonus point. There was another luchador no one ever heard of in that match for that luchador to use that gimmick. So, uh, what was the name of that one? Oh, I know who you're talking about, too. Wait, say that again? Okay, so Dean Malenko borrowed the identity of a luchador. I think I'm wrong, but... There was a... There was another luchador no one had ever heard of in that match... That was basically using that gimmick in order to so that that guy could still be in the match. All uh, right, I, I I think I got this one completely wrong. Because there was another okay. oddball luchador in there, but I think he was actually like a well-known one that did like a one-shot. Well, but that's that's not who I was looking for. So the answer is that Dean Malenko was disguised as Cyclope. Brad got it right, aka Halloween. He had the pumpkin mask. It was a full body suit. That's why they put Malenko in it because it would cover him up. The actual Cyclope was in the match as El Grillo, oh, okay. G R I L L O. I still don't know what that means, but they originally they were going to have that be Malenko, and then everyone was like, "Wouldn't that be kind of a giveaway?" So they had him dress as Cyclope and had Cyclope dress as El Grillo. Because they had um, I hold on. They had I like had Astro no, Boy I... in that match too, but he was like actually a real. Luchador. Mm-hmm. How? What was the name of the random uh, Luchador? El Grillo. G R I L L O. G R I L O. El Grillo. Yep. You know, I'm <laughs> Grillo. Uh, that's like it's giving me. I'm trying to find out what that is in Spanish. It should be noted that when Dean Malenko oh, unmasked, the crowd lost their collective minds. 
Oh, they man, did. They popped it huge. Was, it was an am- Chris Jericho refers to that pop as the biggest <laughs> pop of his career. And I believe this is the same show where Canyon debuted and he was disguised as like the uh, security officer and he beat the piss out of Raven. Yeah, like they recreated the chair shot around the world. Yeah. By the way, El Grillo is the cricket. Yeah, I just looked at it. It's cricket. Which, by the way, I had no idea that Cyclope was Halloween. Really? Yeah, I know. I I did not know that. I went with Galaxy because that was uh, Damien six 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 wrestled as that sometimes in WCW. Mm. So the um, I, if I remember correctly from Jericho's book, the name El Grillo was a joke between him and Eddie. But anyway. We should right. uh, we should at some point we should talk about um, the LWO and how it was probably like one of the best collections of talent ever in wrestling. You know, I looked at that the LWO. I looked at is uh, the, it was something that should have already happened because you had a group of people who banded together in the face of things like you know NWO and Wolfpack and things like that. It was these guys who banded together and said, no, you're not going to take advantage of us because there's so many of us. Yeah. And I was like, well, what? what the, if the NWO is doing all this, why has everybody in WCW decided, you know, I've got to go it alone? You know, you know what was cool about that angle? And I don't know if they – it was really nice character work is that they pretty much forced Rey Mysterio to be in that. But then when the going <laughs> got tough, he was the only one that stood by Eddie Guerrero. Yep. And then lost his mask because of it. Yeah. I thought that was Conan. I thought he was in the match with Conan where he lost his mask. No, it was Kevin Nash where he lost his mask. You right, know, but I, it was in a tag match, wasn't it? Yeah. He was tagging with Conan. Yeah. I like the uh, the LWO, except for L Dandy. I have a lot of doubts about him. <laughs> Who are you to doubt L Dandy? <laughs> I was hoping you would get that. That yes. set up. I appreciate that. That was great. Okay, last question. You know, I actually want to see more of... I actually want to see El Dandy's, like, uh, actual luchador work in Mexico because I've heard he's, like, he was phenomenal. I have... And um, the only thing I've ever seen of his is just his WCW work. I have a DVD set of, like, <laughs> 1980s lucha that I need to watch, and I know he's on there and some really good stuff, but I just haven't had time to get to it. All right, are you guys ready for the last question? Mm-hmm. It would not surprise me at all um, that it, if you guys pick this up. But I thought it would be interesting to go out on. <clears throat> Marlena was not Terry Reynolds' first stint as a manager. Oh. What was she known as and what stable did she manage in WCW? I probably have her name wrong, but... I know I have her name wrong, but I have the stable right. No. Hold on. All right. I'm going to see. I've got something from Brad. I'm waiting on Matt. Going to see what happens. I think Brad is actually dead on. Um, Hold on one minute. Okay. I'm giving you the numbers, too. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember um, <laughs> there was a, a. I remember the one of the first things in wrestling I ever saw. There was a cage match that had um, 
the York Foundation, and I can't remember who they were up against, but it had, no kidding, it had Hacksaw, and it had whatever, um, was it Matt Bourne, his, uh, his Lumberjack gimmick? Big yeah, Josh. Big Josh. It had them in it. So, yes, you guys are correct. Um, Alexander York and the York Foundation. It was actually... So... Th- that is... I wish someone would have done more with that gimmick because, okay, so those of you listening, the York Foundation is um, obscure, but what it was is pretty much um, Alexandra York collected this group of people with uh, Terry Taylor, and what they pretty much did is they were using computers to cherry-pick opponents that they matched up well with. Yeah. That was the whole idea. <clears throat> Yeah, it was an interesting gimmick for like the time. And I think I think Morton had the lightweight belt for a while. That wouldn't surprise me. Or he got really far in the tournament. I don't remember, but they had um they had like the six man tag team championships when that was like a thing for like a little while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't Mr. Hughes part of that too? He probably was he associated? Was. was he like the bodyguard? I feel like I'm remembering that. Yeah, he probably was. Because this is when they okay. had all sorts of, like, weird guys, like, kicking around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, how do you feel you did in our, our Four Corners Wrestling Trivia Challenge? I don't care how I did because I am still pissed <laughs> off that I got the Rock and Roll Express wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. I'm in the same boat here. Oh. <laughs> uh, you guys did really good, though. I'm looking back, and what's that? Uh, three. Well, I don't even. It doesn't really even matter to count it up. You guys still did good. All of you at home, I hope you all had fun too, um, listening along. And if you look at it and you're like, "Well, what in the world is this?" Take some of this stuff and go look it up. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to look up. Um. Because there was a lot of a uh, lot of interesting stuff that goes on in here, and uh, and hey guys, I, uh, I I hope that um, hope that y'all had fun listening. Did you guys have fun doing this? I want to do a, I want to do like a podcast on like obscure stables. Now that we've talked about the York Foundation, <laughs> we need, that would be that'd be really fascinating. We need yeah. we need a way yep. to we need a way to crowbar the union into a podcast. I liked the union. The what was it? We are the union because the, they ripped off like the Nation of Domination music, but they gave them just, like the the there was the the train whistle yeah the, with the whistle and the union, but it was. It was the union of people you ought to respect, son. Because Foley, Mankind did that promo. It's the union of people you ought to respect, son. In other words, Shane, up yours. It, it lasted It lasted maybe three weeks. Yeah. I forget who was... I for, I only vaguely remember this. Um, it, I remember Mankind and Big Show and maybe Test. Test. Yes. And, and but there was one other person. Ken Shamrock. Shamrock. Yeah. That's right. But, but this... Yeah. Is, but, it and it just popped in my head because it's also something that didn't last long but was amazing. Remember, he's a man's man or whatever for William Regal. Stephen Regal. Yes. He's yes. a man. Clink. 
such a man, it, such a man. I'm not surprised. I loved that so much. I'm surprised you don't remember the union though, because it, it literally they forgot about it after three weeks. It, it, they, it was an opportunity they should not have let go because that was it was it was baby faces going. You know what? We've been pushed too far. I think it was like July of like 1999. It, it was all these people that had gotten screwed by Shane, so they banded together. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's cool. It's like the baby faces are being smart about this. And then they just stopped. Because it, they were doing the union thing when Test at, uh, proposed to Stephanie, and then they kind of forgot about it in the lead-up to Test and Shane having that match at SummerSlam. Is that what it was? I think so. I don't remember. It was around in that time. I think he was in the union when he like proposed to Stephanie or whatever. I don't remember. It was that was a weird time. It was. That was really weird. So, all right. Well, I mean, aside from, um, I mean, aside from it, 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 it we gotta have the blow off, baby. It's it, we gotta have the blow off. The, the road boys have gotta beat the Midnight Express. But here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. After 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 Bobby Eaton, Eaton takes the bump, after Dance Conner takes the bump, takes a bump off a scaffold. Dusty, what are you thinking? Oosh. Just to tie it back in. Speaking of uh, obscure stables, remember, um, remember, uh, oh fuck, what's his name? I'm. I just blanked on his name. The guy that was he managed um, SmackDown for a while. He was he managed. Oh, Doom. Armando Alejandro no, Estrada. He he managed Doom. I can't think of his name. Teddy Long. Yeah, Teddy Long. When he was Theodore Long, and he had his stable of jobbers, like he had like. Oh, hard, Rodney Mack. He had like a uh, hard work Bobby Walker and Bobby. Hard work oh, Bobby Walker. W. <laughs> yeah, so he had like Bobby. Hard work Bobby Walker. He had like his stable was like Jim Powers and like Bobby Eaton and like hard work Bobby Walker. Yeah. Dude, I remember Did hard the work Bobby. Have a name. Say what? Uh, Did the stable even have a name? No. Like... I know he had like I know he had like Walker and Eaton team up a couple times on like Saturday night. I I wanted to like Bobby Walker. It was so strange because the dude was like he was he was pushed as a big deal on Saturday night. And I, I kind of wanted to see what happened with him, and then you never saw him again. Yeah, and then they, they but remember Saturday night had like tons of guys like that. Remember uh, Chip Mitten? <laughs> no, do you, I do remember? Do you remember uh, Jumping Joey Mags? Yes, because he he did job duty in uh, Smoky Mountain. We should we can do an entire podcast one day just on like WCW Saturday Night Jobbers. Yeah, like uh, I mean Shaska Watley. He was kind of a big deal at one point, but well, he was Pez because he had a he, he oh, feuded with Pez Watley, um, yeah. He feuded with uh, <clears throat> Boogie Woogie Man for a while. And Pistol Pez <clears throat> Watley is probably more famous uh, for the person he inspired than actually wrestling at this point. Pez Watley, yeah. Pez yeah. Marie Watley, yeah. Because Fez even talks like uh, Pez does. <laughs> all right well guys this has been the four corners trivia challenge on the four corners network we hope you all had fun we hope you weren't offended by bad dusty impressions 
we hope that maybe, just maybe, you found out about some stuff that you either didn't know or forgot about. And so, this is Shad with Matt and Brad saying, thank you for joining us, and good night.